evidence and answers. If you've ever seen a segment from Indiana Jones or the movie The Mummy, we know that there is plenty of hidden treasure to be found. Although we understand that Hollywood exaggerates and dramatizes this situation, it still remains a fact that finding ancient artifacts excites both young and old alike. Finding things left by people of the past is exciting because a little window of their lives is open to us. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat will continue on with his series in the Bible and discuss how archaeology and the Old Testament go hand in hand. Now with the conclusion to this fascinating study is Pat Zucran. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and provide biblical answers to some of the toughest challenges Christians face today. We've been continuing our series on the Bible, and we've been talking about archaeology and the Bible, and talking about some of the famous and most significant archaeological discoveries that affirm the historical accuracy of the Old Testament. We covered a few when we were together previously. Now let me cover some more of the most significant archaeological discoveries of the Old Testament. And remember once again, I'm just simply scratching the surface. Volumes have been written on the thousands of discoveries that affirm the historical accuracy of the Old and New Testament. Now, one of the significant discoveries is the discovery of the Hittite nation. The Hittites played a prominent role in the Old Testament history. They interacted with biblical figures as early as Abraham and as late as Solomon. They're mentioned in Genesis chapter 15, as people who inhabited the land of Canaan. 1 Kings chapter 10 records they purchased chariots and horses from King Solomon. The most prominent Hittite is Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, one of David's mighty men. Now the Hittites were a powerful force in the Middle East from 750 BC until about 1200 BC. Now prior to the late 19th century, nothing was known of the Hittites outside the Bible. And many skeptics allege that they were an invention of the biblical authors, thus questioning the historical nature of the Old Testament. Well, in 1876, a dramatic discovery changed this perception. A British scholar found inscriptions carved on rocks in Turkey, and he suspected they might be evidence of the Hittite nation. Ten years later, more clay tablets were found in Turkey at a place called Boghazkoy, German cuneiform expert Hugo Winkler investigated the tablets and began his own expeditions at the site in 1906. Winkler's excavations uncovered five temples, a fortified citadel, and several massive sculptures. In one storeroom, he found over 10,000 clay tablets. One of the documents proved to be a record of a treaty between Ramses II of Egypt and the Hittite king. Other tablets showed that this city, Bokhazkoy, was indeed the capital of the Hittite kingdom. Its original name was Hattusha. The city covered an area of approximately 300 acres. The Hittite nation had been discovered. About a decade after this discovery, linguists proved that the Hittite language is an early relative of the Indo-European languages of Greek, Latin, French, German, and English. And in fact, the Hittite language now has a central place in the study of history of the Indo 
European languages. The discovery also confirmed other biblical facts. Five temples were found containing many tablets with details of rites and ceremonies that priests performed. These ceremonies described rites for purification from sin and purification of a new temple. The instructions proved to be very elaborate and lengthy. Critics once criticized the laws and instructions found in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy as too complicated for the time it was written, about 1400 B.C. The Bokhazkoi text, along with others from Egyptian sites and a site along the Euphrates called Imar, have proven that the ceremonies described in the first five books of the Old Testament are consistent with ceremonies of cultures of this time period. Therefore, it's very reasonable and builds the case that Moses was indeed the author of the Pentateuch. Now, the Hittite Empire made treaties with civilizations they conquered. Two dozen of these have been translated and provide a better understanding of the treaties in the Old Testament. The discovery of the Hittite Empire has significantly advanced our understanding of the patriarchal period. Dr. Fred Wright summarizes the importance of this discovery in regard to the historical accuracy of the Bible. He wrote, Now the Bible picture of this people fits in perfectly with what we know of the Hittite nation from the monuments. As an empire, they never conquered the land of Canaan itself, although the Hittite local tribes did settle there at an early date. Nothing discovered by the excavations has in any way discredited the biblical account. Scripture's accuracy has once more been proved by the archaeologists. The discovery of the Hittites has proven to be one of the great archaeological finds of all time. It has helped to confirm the biblical narrative and had a great impact on Middle East archaeological study. Because of it, we have come to a greater understanding of the history of our language as well as the religious, social, and political practices of the ancient Middle East. Now here is another discovery that's important to the historical accuracy of the Bible, especially in regards to the Exodus. According to the reference in 1 Kings chapter 6, it was 480 years from the Exodus to the building of the temple in Solomon's fourth year of rule, thus dating the Exodus to about 1447 B.C. Judges chapter 11 also confirms this when it states that the Israelites had been in the land for 300 years in the time of Jephthah, who lived around 1100 B.C. Therefore, the biblical date of the Exodus would be right around 1400 B.C. However, in Exodus chapter 1, it refers to the city of Ramses. So many archaeologists dated the Exodus around 1200 B.C., about 200 years later during the rule of Ramses II, who reigned from about 1290 to about 1224 B.C. Therefore, the dating of the Bible then was thrown into question. Now in 1896, a seven-foot-tall granite monument from the mortuary temple of Pharaoh Merneptah was discovered. And this is the famous Merneptah Stele. Stele is a Greek term for an inscribed monument, a large tablet often. Pharaoh Merneptah ruled from 1212 till about 1202 BC. And he attacked the land of Canaan in 1210 BC as recorded on the Merneptah Stele, a hieroglyphic inscription celebrating the Pharaoh's victory over Libya 
and other parts of Canaan ends by referring to an earlier campaign in Canaan. A portion of the record states, Israel is wasted, its seed is not, and Canaan is become a widow because of Egypt. This is the earliest reference to Israel in non-biblical sources and demonstrates that as of 1230 BC, the Hebrews were already settled and living in the land of Canaan, in the promised land. Therefore, this discovery of the Merneptah Stele strengthens the argument for the biblical date of 1400 BC being the date of the Exodus. The 1200 BC date of the Exodus then would have been way too late because the Merneptah Stele showed that by 1230 BC, when Merneptah attacked the land of Canaan, the Israelites were already settled in the land. That's what made this such a very important discovery upholding the biblical date of the Exodus. Now another significant discovery is the city of Jericho. And many of us know the story of Jericho and the falling walls of Jericho. I grew up thinking that this story was indeed a fable or a legend. And even when I became a Christian, I still found this story hard to believe as a historical event until I looked at the evidence. Now, according to the Bible, the conquest of Jericho occurred approximately 1440 B.C. The miraculous nature of the conquest caused many scholars to dismiss the story as folklore. But over the past century, discoveries have been made that have indeed confirmed the historical nature of Joshua's accounts. The archaeologists who worked on the site, Dr. John Garstang, worked on it from the 1930s. He was followed by Kathleen Kenyon, who worked on it during the 1950s. And currently, Dr. Bryant Wood is working on the site today. And the results of their work has been remarkable. First, they discovered that Jericho had an impressive system of fortification. Surrounding the city was a retaining wall 15 feet high. At its top was an 8-foot brick wall strengthened from behind by an earthen rampart. Domestic structures were found behind the first wall. Another brick wall enclosed the rest of the city. The domestic structures found between the two walls is consistent with Joshua's description of Rahab's quarter in chapter 2 of the book of Joshua. Archaeologists also found that in one part of the city, large piles of bricks were found at the base of both the inner and outer walls, indicating a sudden collapse of the fortifications. Scholars feel that an earthquake caused this, which may also explain the damming of the Jordan in the biblical account. The collapsed bricks formed a ramp by which the invader might easily enter the city, as described in chapter 6 of Joshua. And when you go to visit the site today, you'll discover that Jericho is indeed one of the oldest cities ever erected. And there you'll find that famous tower there. There is a tower that stands about 20 to 30 feet high. And you can see that tower today, affirming that indeed this was a powerful fortress city as described in the Bible. Now, of this amazing discovery, Dr. Garstang, one of the first to work on the site, states this. As to the main fact then, there remains no doubt the walls fell outwards so completely the attackers would be able to clamber up and over the ruins of the city. This is remarkable because city walls fall inward, not outward. Especially if they're being attacked by a foreign invader 
who is bombarding the wall, you would expect the walls to fall and collapse inward. But these fell outward, making a nice ramp for the Israelites to go in and capture the city. Also, a thick layer of soot indicates that the city was destroyed by fire, as described in chapter 6 of Joshua. Kathleen Kenyon describes it this way. She said, The destruction was complete. Walls and floors were blackened or reddened by fire, and every room was filled with fallen bricks. Archaeologists also discovered large amounts of grain at the site. Once again, this is consistent with the biblical account that the city was captured quickly. If it had fallen to a long siege, the grain would have been used up because in a siege, remember, they starve the people out. But the fact that there were large jars of grain there shows you the sea was captured quickly and right after harvest time in the spring, which would account for the flooding of the Jordan, which in the book of Joshua made it difficult for the people of Israel to cross had the Lord not miraculously stopped the waters of the Jordan so the people could cross. Also, remember, Joshua and his people have been wandering through the desert. The grain at the city would have been valuable source of food for them. But once again, as consistent with the Bible, according to chapter 6, the Israelites were forbidden to plunder the city and had to destroy it completely. Now, the major controversy that arose around Jericho was the date of the destruction. Dr. Garstang, who first worked on the site, held to the biblical date of about 1400 B.C., However, Kenyon, who followed him, believed the destruction occurred 150 years earlier in 1550 B.C. If that was true, and if Joshua arrived at the city about 1200 B.C. as she had concluded, he would have arrived to a previously destroyed Jericho. And so this date would pose a serious challenge to the historical accuracy of the Old Testament. However, Dr. Bryant Wood, the current Archaeologists excavating site found that Kenyon's early or date were based on faulty assumptions about pottery found at the site. In fact, she was looking for Phoenician pottery and she did not find any, thus causing her to question the biblical date. However, Dr. Wood realized that where Kenyon was excavating was in the poorer part of Jericho and therefore you wouldn't find foreign pottery there. When he dug in other parts of the city, indeed, that pottery was indeed discovered. Dr. Wood also discovered Egyptian amulets in tombs northwest of Jericho and inscribed under these amulets, these scarab beetles, were the names of Egyptian pharaohs dating from 1500 to 1386 BC, showing that the cemetery outside Jericho was in use up to the end of the late Bronze Age, 1550 to 1400 BC. Finally, charcoal was found in the debris and was dated with carbon-14 dating to be about 1400 BC. The evidence then leads Wood to this conclusion. He writes, The pottery, stratigraphic considerations, scarab data, and carbon-14 dating all point to the destruction of the city around the end of the late Bronze Age, about 1400 BC. So the current archaeological evidence supports the biblical date and the biblical account of how Jericho fell. One of the most beloved characters in the Bible is King David. Scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart, and he is revered as the greatest of all the kings of Israel. And the Messianic covenant is established through his lineage. And despite his key role in Israel's history, 
Until recently, no evidence outside the Bible attested to his existence. So for this reason, critics question the historical accuracy of the Bible and the existence of a King David that such a prominent figure of Old Testament literature, there is not one reference outside the Bible to a King David. Well, that all changed in the summer of 1993. An archaeologist made what has been labeled as a phenomenal and stunning discovery. Dr. Abraham Byron and his team were excavating a site labeled Tel Dan, located in northern Galilee, at the foot of Mount Hermon. Evidence indicates that this site is the Old Testament land of the tribe of Dan. The team discovered an impressive royal plaza, and as they were clearing the debris, they discovered in the ruins the remains of a large black basalt stele, or stone slab, containing Aramaic inscriptions that could be read clearly. The stele contained 13 lines of writing. Two of the lines included the phrases, the King of Israel and the House of David. This is the first reference to King David found outside the Bible. Uh, The discovery caused many critics to reconsider their view of the historicity of the Davidic kingdom. Pottery found in the vicinity along with the construction and style of writing led Dr. Byron to argue that the stele was erected in the first quarter of the 9th century BC, about a century after the death of King David. It was discovered then that this was a victory plaque created by the king of Damascus, Ben-Hadad, in the 9th century BC when he defeated the forces of Israel as recorded in 1 Kings chapter 15. Line 9 mentions his victory over the king of Israel of the house of David. Now two more pieces were found a year later and the reconstruction of this stele reads like this, I killed Jehoram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, and I killed Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, the king of the house of David. Here, the king of Damascus, writing a few decades after David's death, acknowledges the existence of King David and the house that the kings who followed were descendants of King David. Ahab, Jehoram, Ahaziah are considered historical by scholars, and now David is mentioned there by the enemy of Israel. This builds a strong case that indeed David is a historical figure and this is the first reference found of King David outside the Bible. Dr. Herschel Shanks of Biblical Archaeological Review states, This stele brings to life the biblical text in a very dramatic way. It also gives us more confidence in the historical reality of the biblical text. Dr. Brian Wood summarizes the importance of this find in this way. In our day, most archaeologists and biblical scholars would take a very critical view of the historical accuracy of many of the accounts in the Bible. Many scholars have said there never was a David or a Solomon, and now we have a stele that actually mentions David. Here's another significant discovery during the time of the kings. Sargon II ruler of Assyria is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 20. And he was considered a biblical myth throughout modern history until the archaeological excavations of French scholar Paul Boda. Boda unearthed Sargon's mighty palace at Khorsabad, northeast of Iraq, just north of Nineveh near the Tigris River. The discovery of Sargon's palace was discovered in 1842. 
This remarkable discovery had inscriptions on palace walls which proved many events in history and those mentioned in the Bible. Every reference in the Old Testament to an Assyrian king has proven to be correct. Even though Sargon was unknown for some time when his palace was found and excavated, there was a wall painting of the battle mentioned in Isaiah chapter 20. Another discovery related to the times of the kings is the Moabite stone or the Misha stele. 2 Kings chapter 3 reports that Misha, the king of Moab, rebelled against the king of Israel following the death of Ahab. In 1868, a three-foot stone slab known as the Misha Stele was discovered. This slab contained much of the history of the Moabites and mentioned Moab's oppression by Israel and her rebellion against Israel. Misha, the king of the Moabites, describes his victory over Ahab's family in 850 B.C., once again affirming the biblical account of 2 Kings. The text on the Misha Stele states this, Omri, king of Israel, had oppressed Moab for many days, for Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, was angry with his land and the people of Moab. Omri's son succeeded him, and he too said, I will oppress Moab in my time, King Misha. He said this, but I triumphed over him and over his house while Israel has perished forever. So here the Misha Stele confirms the biblical account in 2 Kings, how King Omri oppressed the Moabites, but later they rebelled and defeated the nation of Israel under Jehoram's reign, thus affirming the historical accuracy of this account. Another archaeological discovery of an Israeli king was made in 1931. The Uzziah tablet was discovered in Jerusalem. King Uzziah ruled Israel from 792 to 740 B.C. Like Solomon, he began well, but he ended badly. In 2 Chronicles 26, his sin is recorded, which resulted in his being struck down with leprosy later in life. When Uzziah died, he was interred in a field of burial that belonged to the king. His stone burial plaque was discovered on the Mount of Olives in 1931, and it reads, Here, the bones of Uzziah, king of Judah, were brought. Do not open. Another important discovery when you go to Jerusalem is Hezekiah's tunnel. King Hezekiah of Judah ruled Judah from 721 to 686 B.C. Fearing a siege by the Assyrian king Sennacherib, as recorded in 2 Kings, Hezekiah preserved Jerusalem's water supply by cutting a tunnel through 1,700 feet of solid rock from the Gihon Spring to the Pool of Siloam inside the city of Jerusalem. This is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 20 and 2 Chronicles chapter 32. This tunnel still remains and is probably the only biblical site that has not changed its appearance in 2,700 years. As you can see, we could spend endless shows on biblical archaeology. There are thousands of discoveries that affirm biblical references. Cities, places, individuals that are named, events, coins that were used, pottery and others mentioned in the Bible. Thousands of archaeological discoveries confirm these facts mentioned in the Bible. So archaeology has had a very valuable role in affirming the historical accuracy of the Bible. There's no book that is as ancient that has so much historical confirmation as the Bible. To this date, only about 10% of what's out there actually has been excavated and discovered. 
there's still a vast majority that is yet to be excavated and discovered. The more discoveries we make, the historical accuracy of the Bible continues to be upheld. No major archaeological discovery has controverted a biblical event. That's what we would expect from a book that claims to be inspired by God's Word. When it writes of historical events, it would be accurate and true. And that's what biblical archaeology has confirmed. Remember, I just touched the surface. For more information, you can read my articles on archaeology on the Old Testament and the New Testament. And remember, there are volumes of books written and articles written on the website in which you can investigate biblical archaeology. Christianity is a historical faith indeed upheld by the historical evidence. I hope you enjoyed this brief series on archaeology and the Bible here on Evidence and Answers. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. This concludes Pat's study on archaeology and the Old Testament. We hope you found this broadcast to be a blessing. If so, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, head on over to our homepage. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Join us again next time on the air or online for more evidence and answers. Evidence and Answers.